Hey, this is Alex with Bass and Brews. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So easy, Paul can do it. Everybody, welcome back to another Bass and Brews fishing podcast. Today, you will see we ain't doing nothing crazy, no live, not, not a bunch of hoodlums up in here doing hoodlum hoodlaming stuff. It's just regular old us minus Alex. Alex is gone doing his Coast Guard thing. If you need to really figure out uh, the backstory to that, just go listen to the last uh, two hour and something hour episode that we did live for his send off. It was great at times. It sounded like a send off. At times, it sounded like he was uh, on his deathbed and not going to wake up in the morning. But that's not the case. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, today, I want to welcome Jordan Marshall, the 2021 Hobie BOS Angler of the Year. Jordan, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fantastic. Just got off work, ready, ready to talk a little fishing. Well, hey, I'm super excited tonight because I, I expect some of our viewership to to drop off because nobody here, nobody's here to interpret what you and I are saying. <laughs> that's, and that's fair. Yeah, and, and a majority of and, and probably our, our older listenership is up in the Northeast. <laughs> oh, they're they're going to be struggling tonight. They are. They are. Usually, Alex is here to help them out. But tonight, uh, and, and we tried subtitles, but it looked, it, you know, it looked like German when I spoke. So they're on their own. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I that the accent doesn't not come through well, but I, I can I can put all sorts of accent on there. I can sound like Coach O tonight if you want me to. <laughs> I, I, I want to start uh, posting my dictations when I send out text through Siri, what I say versus what she types out, because I've sent some without proofing them, and they've gone to my wife, and they've been not very, but not very nice. But anyway, <laughs> we'll get back on track. That's a problem. I do get off track, so you know. Um, and I know you said you're a talker, so it might be another three or four hour episode, Alex. I'm just kidding. We're gonna we ain't go, we're we're gonna we're gonna get back on track with that. All right, tonight, man, I am drinking a Jade IPA, Foothills Brewery, down here local, and they're in Winston Salem, North Carolina. So I got you. Up there, up there I, uh, in the foothills of the moonshine moonshine counties. What you got? Yeah, I got a. Uh, I, I went. I went fancy tonight because I wanted to make sure no one roasted me at least uh, for for nothing drinking drinking nothing too chill. I went uh, respect for all the northeastern folks. 
and uh, we're going to dominate a youngling tonight. So there we go, old youngling man. Jordan done jumped the jumped the thing. Now we got to I got to do mine separately. Mine's a bottle <laughs> tonight too, and Alex be. Oh, oh! I'm trying to do it with a a DD22, but I don't want to break it because I still fish with it. There we go. Oh yeah, you don't want to break it. <laughs> no, no, spec- that's a clipping thing. That thing from the late come by the old ones. They're like old bandits and old wiggle boards, man. You, they they are worth their weight. Yeah. Man, I got some old crankbaits somebody gave me up there, and I got a couple square bills where the square bill is is like cut out is part of the bait. <laughs> it's not an insert. Oh, yeah, it's pretty so it's like the, the The bill is epoxy just like the rest of the bait. No, it's like the bill was carved with the bait. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Old well, I, cool. I yeah. Did, I, it's all it's it's all tangled up and shit. I don't fish with it. It's all a mess. But anyway, the uh, damn, none of forgot what I was going to say. Anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to thank I keep forgetting this, but I want to thank Hooks at Hoodlums. Y'all look at here. It's Christmas time. Get you some hooks at Hoodlum gear. I just got my certified pond wrecker hat in. I love it. They those folks up there, Wild Bill, and, and those folks listened to me and Carlos, Lone Star Kayak Fishing, and got us some some trucker hats because it gets hot down here. And those those non-web hats down here just they don't they don't let our shit breathe. And it doesn't work out good. So, I, I don't. I don't think I own anything unless it's, unless it's got the web on the back. My mullet's got to have some some, some <laughs> free room to flow, my man. <laughs> People won't remember Steve uh, Steve Tannehill from the from the mid South Carolina Gamecock days, but your mullet your mullet is not quite as blonde as his. But man, it's pretty. It's a nice flowing mullet. Hey, I, I try my best, man. I got a perm in it. Uh, probably six months ago, I need to get the perm revamped in that thing. It's getting a little light from the sun this summer, but. I need, I need to get this thing nice and, and curled back up again so I can I can flex on them. We get some volume in it when it's got that perm, right? Got some bounce. Yeah, it'll, it'll bounce. It's, it's got it's got some natural wave to it, but it, it don't have curl like when I first got it. <laughs> well, <clears throat> go to Hooks at Edlums, get you some cool fishing gear. They got some winter stuff out right now. Use heels H E E L S ten to get you a little ten percent discount. Uh, also, shit, I can't forget this. Alex will kill me. We dropped some merch, merchandise. Um, one of the, another word that I'm, I'm starting to hate as much as hammer and some of these other damn fishing words, but we've got some merchandise now. Uh, we posted it on our Instagram. We'll post it out again. You can go get you a t-shirt, some neck gaiters. I think we got some long tees and, uh, we got bass and brews fishing podcast stuff. And Alex has some swamp rat fishing stuff. So go check that out. Is your uh, merch game changer merch? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Game changer <laughs> merch from two hammers. <laughs> you got to hit every one of them. You're going to talk about buzzwords. We got to hit every one of them. Oh my god, I, I I wasn't thinking about it tonight, but I was a couple episodes ago, and I, I brought that question up. You know, what's some overused terms in fishing? And um, I mean, people get on that shit. You know, you get so many damn hammers out there that at some point, I guess we're going to have to start calling them something else because everybody's a hammer by, you know, in a year, everybody's going to be a hammer. Hey, you, you, you cut one check, you're a hammer. One, one <laughs> check here, you're a hammer. It's bona fide. That's, that's in the rule book. That's on the KBN Nation handbook. Oh, shit. <laughs> one check. Does it have to be a national check? 
No, no. Lo- local check. Oh, shit. Five well, people winner take all tournament. You win. You you get the you get the national hammer award. Can it be an online tournament? Can you be a hammer if the only checks you cash oh, are online? Of course. Yeah, you win an online tournament, you're a bag of hammers. <laughs> you're a sledgehammer. You're sledgehammer. the you're the you're, fifteen pound you're a fifteen pound hammer. That's what we're gonna do. We start putting numbers in front of the hammer size. Yeah, you got oh online tournaments. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> We won't. That's the key. Hey, you talking about getting sidetracked? I will pave a whole new road on on that one. I, I I'm not a big online guy, but yeah, you know, well, everybody's got their own thing. I ain't gonna roast nobody. It's just not my thing. Well, well, talking about getting sidetracked, I I I'm the hammer of tangents. <laughs> um, I've had quite a few podcasts go in the two plus hour ranges. Two weeks ago, my live, we were supposed to be on there talking about kayak modifications. Four hours later, we've had like eight guests live before <laughs> we ended it. It's like 12 o'clock. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had me on here for this one, because if you'd have had me on there for kayak modifications, we'd have been done in 10 minutes, because I've been like, yeah, it, it stopped, Bobby. It's, you ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't, it's stock. <laughs> Look, look, me too. I'm pretty basic on mine. I ain't drilled a hole in mine yet. I don't plan to anytime soon. But there are a lot of people that, that you know, they 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 modify them up. And I'm fine with that. That's their kayak, their money. And uh, we're actually going to get, I'm getting Delirious back on, not next week, but the week after. No, no, next week. And we're actually going to do it because he's done a lot of modifications for people. And, I mean, I, honestly, I, I got a PA-14. And so to put the depth finder on there, I didn't, you know, it's already run. I got the the damn what you call it. You know, it's already under there. I don't have to worry you about anything. So it, it, you know, I everything was ready to be yeah. put on, and that's the biggest modification I have on my kayak is like this is my my depth finder. Yeah. So yeah, hope, hope does a good job of making it pretty easy. I've I've had lots of kayaks and. Uh, different brand Jackson and and obviously Pelican, you know, where most people start out and um, even, even just the newer Hobies, you know, versus the older Hobies, you know, they've made it really, really easy to um, user friendly to get everything rigged up. Yeah. I mean, that was one of, that was one of the reasons why I went with that one, one of many, but that was one of them is that seeing people, what folks had to do to put, put the depth finders on there and to put some stuff on there. It just took a little bit extra and, you know, they had it there. So I went that route. Um, but tonight we're really here to talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. <laughs> but Jordan, if y'all look, Jordan, Jordan has done, I don't know what, four or five podcasts already on your AOI. Video. Yeah, I think, I think um, three or four. Yeah. So I know you can go, let's name them off. You can go to KBN. Um, KBN, oh, I've done two with, um, oh my goodness. Um, Paddle and Finn. Paddle and Finn, yeah. Paddle and, I've done two episodes of Paddle and Finn. And they're, um, KBN was an hour that I split with, you know, Christine and, and Lambert and um, and Jeff. And that was, that was really fun. And, but I've done probably I've probably done close to three hours with Paddle and Finn between those two episodes, and right. Um, I think it was probably more, especially the second one. Um, either one of them, they're they're, they're a little more, um, kind of just raw and 
you know, straight, straightforward as far as um, what, what I was doing this year and kind of how, how things like that happened a um, little, little, little less filtered. I, I didn't have to worry about as many people roasting me. Uh, I saw there was nine, 9,000 people on kayak or KBN live that night. So I was trying to keep things close, close to the vest. And, and I didn't even knew my parents were watching too. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't go hog wild. Well, I can promise you, your parents ain't watching this one. And if we got nine thousand people. Is somebody in Antarctica that just keeps has created nine thousand logins? <laughs> so you you can let loose here. The only people that are going to see it are probably me and you. <laughs> I'm kidding. We you you'll get out there a little more than that. But you know we're yeah. growing, we're young, we ain't hit KBN stage yet. So what I'm getting at, folks, if y'all want to go listen to him recap his AOI, because it's a pretty damn, I mean, it's a pretty damn awesome story. Um, it's a great weekend of fishing, the, the the hardest tournament in kayak fishing to win, um, which means to win the yearly part of it, the Angler of the Year, uh, it's tough. I mean, it is tough. But go look at Paddle and Finn, go look at KBN, listen at that, because tonight, and I think you were on, God, I can't remember. It was one of the Pat on Finn's um, podcast you were on. You, you spoke briefly about keeping it simple. Yeah. You know, fishing simple. And that's from your kayak to your your colors to your lure selection and stuff like that. That's how I am. I like to keep it simple. I'm, I don't have 85 different colors. You know, I got, a, I, I buy blues. I don't have to be the same blue. It's just if I go in there and they don't have the blue that I like, I go get the a blue. It doesn't matter what color blue to me it is, or if they don't have the green pumpkin or whatever I like, I just get one. I just get one. I don't care. But those are kind of the two in a white. So I really want to get into to that mindset for you because let me get to this where I forget it. And that's why I was trying to find this picture to save it. And I'm a dumbass. Y'all can't get this shit on the damn computer. But go to KBN's page. And he made a post. These are all of his AOIs. Minus one. My, okay, uh, minus somebody, one. Somebody let me know in the comments that I forgot one. Y'all, those aren't tournament winning trophy. <laughs> those are angler of the year. How many is in there? I forgot to count. I think there's six in the picture and then I missed one. Or seven. Yes. Yeah, right. Seven. Yeah, that's something like that. Seven angler of the years. There's a lot of people around here that only have seven top three finishes with trophies. So, you hearing how you're approaching um, your tournament from a mindset and and from a tech, technical aspect of actual fishing, of it being simple, is very intriguing to me because it is because I, and we'll get into it because I want people to hear how you fish. It, to me, it seems like it has made you super, super um, 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 focused in what you're good at doing. And yeah. in turn, you've, you've been able to replicate that tournament after tournament after tournament. And so you're always, you might not be winning them all, but you're up there enough that you're competing for that, that long drawn out angler of the year process. Yeah. Um, I, I think, Obviously, keeping it very simple. Um, there's a lot of stuff like, like you mentioned, you would go and get 
If you wanted something blue, you would just buy some other blue. Um, I literally buy like, and you can probably see behind me, I ain't trying to give nothing too crazy away. If you see some of that stuff, I've got like the same baits that I like using just up there. Just So I don't ever have to wonder like, hey, do I have enough of where, what I want to have? Or like uh, Cinco's, I buy a bunch of like just big, big packs from somebody I don't know, somebody off Facebook. I mean, because I think most Cinco's are all the same. And I buy like seven inch Cinco's. And if, you know, they're not hitting a seven inch Cinco, I'll cut it down an inch and I'll throw a six inch Cinco the same one. I buy these big Ziploc bags full of Cinco's and um, I've got nine million white and chartreuse jackhammers and every single one of them are half ounce and I'll go buy a dozen at a time if I've got three or four left. If I'm afraid that I'm going to, you know, run out in a tournament somewhere, I'll go buy another dozen and just put them in the box and. I mean, same with my spinner baits. I make a lot of my own spinner baits. Oh, I mean, nice. uh, Granted, these are uh, obviously faded a little bit, but everybody knows the white and chartreuse jackhammer that's been sitting up here and got a little rusty. But <laughs> I tie my own spinner bait color. It's the same color. I mean, I throw the exact yeah. same, so I don't have to worry about it. And that's a little bit of a custom one with some different stuff on it. Like I said, it's been sitting here. But I mean, now if you look in my kayak, um, a lot of people know I throw a lot of spinner baits. Um, I have probably 50 spinner baits in my kayak year round minimum. And if mm. it's, if, if I'm fishing a river tournament and I know, or if I'm going to a river that I'm not familiar with, I'll, I'll take extra spinner baits and make some extra beforehand. And I've probably got four or five each of that same color mm. in there. And so, all right, that's good because that, that's interesting to me because I love spinner baits. Yeah. I'll throw the jackhammer and stuff like that. Matter of fact, that jackhammer just got right for a Ryan Lambert to throw. Been sitting in there, got dusty and rusty. Oh yeah, it's it's <laughs> I, I ought to give that to him because I I'll, I'll take it off when it's when it's about like that. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it has enough patina on it yet for him. <laughs> good night, honey. So the um, the spinner baits then talking about simplicity. You have fifty on your boat. Tell me, tell me, are you are they all Colorado, all willow leaf? Like, you know, what what are the blade combinations and colors look like? I think the biggest thing is um, just my thing is a spinner bait, and I think some people it's buzz bait. There's guys that I hang out with at the tackle shop whose thing is a buzz bait. And I think if you're going to be consistent, you got to be very comfortable throwing all kinds of things but i think you got to choose something that you can go throw everywhere you go and be comfortable throwing um now my my personal favorite is a spinnerbait now i will throw a jackhammer with the best of them um but i feel like if i had my choice i just assume throw a spinnerbait now i've got a box here that has spinnerbait or blades in it that they don't make they don't really sell commercially. I mean, this is nothing but, but blades in here. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'll normally keep keep a box with me um, if I'm traveling. And I'll if I feel like I need to make something, I'll, I'll make something when I'm out traveling. I'll I'll keep some of the popular skirts, but mostly it's blades because I think you can change mm-hmm. a lot of blades out. Now, the main three that I throw are a um, a Terminator that is a particular color that they don't really sell the same skirt material that I can get a hold of. 
Um, and I'm going to keep that particular nugget to myself for the time being. Um, and I, I basically throw white and chartreuse with a double Indiana. These are both just gold hammered Indiana blades that are just wore out, but you can kind of see there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like these quick clips. I don't know if you can see that. It's those quick clevis clips. In the oh front. yeah. Yep. These things basically, if I wanted to change in the middle of a tournament, it's already off. And then right. you can pop a completely different one back on. A lot of people don't know, don't know that they make that or whatever, but, and I feel like, I mean, obviously the other one's just on a split ring. So, I mean, I can pop two different blades on there mm-hmm. very quickly. I do it quite a bit. Um, but mostly it's going to be a white and chartreuse um, with some sort of Indiana blade. And then I'll throw, I've got a lot of shad colors that I throw with the double willow. I've got some very, very weird wonky blades that, um, that not many people throw, which I don't even have any clothes here. They're sitting in a box over here, but um, they're, um, I have to like special order them and I'll, basically order a hundred of two sizes, one for the small front blade, one for the their uh, black back blade. And they're essentially a wheel leaf um, that's been modified a little bit. And um, that's, that's my favorite one to throw if I'm just fishing for, you know, shad, shad type stuff. And um, I think the only, I throw a Colorado blade. I'll throw a, a Oklahoma blade some, which some people call the turtle back blade. Um, which is basically just um, kind of an eye-shaped, um, eye-shaped blade with a crease right down the middle. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I'll throw um, a couple random things here and there, just you know, trying new stuff out, just to always experiment. But for the most part, that's that's about it. Oh, and um, a blade that a lot of people don't know exists that I throw some. I don't think it really makes a whole lot of difference in the grand scheme of things, but I just like throwing it because it's old school. It's a Dakota <laughs> blade. And um, if I can find one here, I'd be more than happy to show you, but I don't know uh, if I have any of those sitting around here. I might actually, I might have some right here. The, um, the Dakota blade is a very, very interesting. Um, I like throwing fluted blades. Um, mm-hmm. Indiana with a flute on it. Um, Dakota blade yeah, think- is the weirdest blade that anyone ever throws um, or maybe even doesn't throw. I didn't know about it for a long time, and I really like it. But it's just something, like I said, it's something a little different. That- yeah. Yeah, there you go. I got, I got one blade. Right, it's basically a... Um, a wide willow that's been cut into a V. Uh, I can't find mine. I've got one too that is real weird, and I got it because it looked good. But it's uh, it's for muddy water. But it's um, so at the back, the back looks like this. Looks like these two fingers. Mm-hmm. So a split, kind of like a, a a feather at the back, just like this, and yeah. then it's curved. And so the vibration it puts off is is huge. It's real big, and the spinner blade's got a it's it's got a rattle on it. So it's made for for dirty, murky water. I want to find it because it's interesting. I got one. 
I get it because up here, like we were talking about earlier, I'm around Jordan Lake in North Carolina in Raleigh. And and I don't know if it's in here. And that in the springtime, that lake is strictly here for flood control. Yeah. Of the of the local rivers. <clears throat> and so in the springtime, when the water gets up, it get it gets absolutely nasty. Really? Yes. I mean, I'm talking chocolate milk. Um shit, I don't see it. I'll probably find it tomorrow. Yeah, but um most of that stuff always goes in it. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for for I got a it's called a uh venom. It's a four blade spinner bait. Yeah. I love this thing, man. This summer. Oh shit, here look, it's right in front of my damn face. So I threw this one. My home lake, Sharon Harris, the, the shag get out there and the bass get the to just tearing their tail up. And we throw a lot of blade baits on them in the summertime when they get active blowing up that. Well, yeah. I throw this too. And huh. so it's like a it's like a mini um a rig, yeah, except it's a spinner bait. I caught bigger bass throwing this in the schools than we did top water or blade baits or crankbaits. I was really? catching bigger bass on this. Um, it was real fun too because th- it'd be a school. I mean, the your 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 graph would light up, but you could feel them hitting the blades, but yeah. then you could tell when one got the, the hook. And then this is the uh this is the other one. I can't this is it's called it's a hog collar. I couldn't remember remember it. Um but that's the blade. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and that's man, great. and so it's got a rattle, so it's like a jig a rattle jig. Yeah. And man, when that thing's coming through the water, man, it's it's <laughs> It's almost like that jackhammer on your rod tip, man. Your rod tip really? is just, whoa, 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 whoa. yeah. But I got it for for dirty waters mainly here at Jordan. Huh, that's pretty wild. Yeah, I haven't had any luck on it, but I didn't throw it a bunch last year because I wasn't fishing Jordan at the time that it was soup. But yeah. that's you know that's that one. Well, so before we get more into the specifics of that of baits and stuff like that. How did you come to fish like this? Like, what is your, what's your progression, your story of, of starting fishing and starting fishing, getting a kayak fishing. And then why, why you have, and I'm, I I call it dumbed down. I'm a dumbass. How you've dumbed down fishing to the point that, that, you know, you don't have to, you're not over here. Your brain's not running a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. the morning of or the day before or during a tournament yeah um so i started out fishing with my dad uh, he bought a bass tracker in 06 07 i was probably in uh sixth grade i guess something like that Damn. Um, yeah I'm, I, I just turned 26 yeah born in 95 <laughs> um so uh so we, we started fishing and stuff and my, my dad likes to do one thing pretty much one thing only and he's he's very very good at it, but it is not particularly my style. 
he likes to get um, from here to the other side of my building over there and underhand flip a jig on everything that he sees. Oh, Lord. He picks up branches on trees, huh? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he likes fishing that way, and uh, and he's, he's, he's very good at it. If, if I'm in the boat with him, there's not a whole lot of catching fish behind him because he, he, <laughs> he puts a jig everywhere there is to put one. So, Oh, man. Um, man. And it, 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 you know, uh, every, everybody wants to, you know, learn something different when they, when they do something the same a lot. And, um, I really liked, uh, going and wading the river, uh, with a buddy of mine when we first got our license and we would go over here to a little place called the little river in, in Maryville. And the river is not very good in the grand scheme of things. Um, but we would go and we would tie on little tubes and little jigs that we would make. And we, we would go and, and wade the river. And it was like, man, you know, we catch a lot of fish going down through here in just the few hundred yards that we wade, man, I wonder how, how good it would be to, to, you know, fish some more of this. So my buddy got a canoe and we put a little troll motor on it, took it to the lake the first time. We couldn't catch any fish in the lake. We went and put the canoe in where we normally fish, wade, and we wrecked them. And it was awesome. And I was like, all right, so I got I to gotta figure this out. So for my 16th birthday or 17th birthday, um, my 16th birthday, because he was a year older than me. So I got, I got a kayak for my 16th birthday. And I went and hit every pond, every neighborhood pond, um every everywhere there was water moving not moving whatever uh that kayak was was in there in blunt county and um it, it really just evolved from that um I, I never wanted to sit in one place and fish and, and just fish you know throw a jig or something um it started out you know me just making rooster tails to go fish the river and i made my own rooster tails um, oh nice I thought it was stupid to to go pay six dollars for five dollars for rooster tail, and here it's crazy how expensive those things are. Here I am paying twenty dollars a pot for these things. <laughs> uh, you know, th- things change a lot, and you go from you know you know you go from a three hundred dollar four hundred dollar kayak to a you know five five thousand dollar kayak, and, and you know the people kind of forget of, of what happens all along the way, and. um but when I was floating the river, man, you, you float the river in a kayak, especially a cheaper kayak. There's not a whole lot of stopping and fishing what you want to do. It's just you sit in the kayak and you hold on and you make as many casts as possible. And it seemed the more casts I made, the more fish I caught. So that's just how I kind of started tournament fishing was I'm mm-hmm. just going to go out here and make make a bunch of casts. Now, I've certainly, you know, put depth finders. I've had um Lawrence nines with side scan and, and try to do it the right way and all that stuff. And, and it seemed like there would be times where I would be looking at my depth finder and there would be fish blowing up and be like, well, that, that's not what I'm out here to pattern. I'm here to pattern fish and catch this way instead of just going out and having fun and fishing. And, um, I was sitting there doing that one day and, and we had like a little Thursday night weeknight tournament or something where everybody shows up and pays $20 and you know, it's mm-hmm. fun. And I was sitting there trying to fish a point on an awful lake here. We, we have called Fort Loudon. It's, it's a terrible, <laughs> lake. if anybody wants to see how bad that lake is, go and look at the, uh, the, the, whatever the new BFL is. Um, it was about three weeks ago. It was right before I went to you follow a week before, 
and the guy that won had, um, I think, 14 pounds in two days and won a BFL with like 160 boats in it. Mm. And he had like 11 pounds the first day. Mm. Caught like 11 or 12 pounds and caught one fish the second day and still won. Yeah, I've heard, uh, you know, Catfish Dave and Kayak Catfish, at least from the fishing side yeah. on their side, talk shit about Fort yeah. Loudon. Kayak uh, Ky- Ky- Catfish knows. I, I know Kayak Catfish very well. Yeah. Um, Matter of fact, the first time I ever saw you was, wasn't it you with Eric Romines and him did a live on the bank? Yes, it was It was Eric Thomason. And yes, Eric we Thomason. Yes. Yeah, that was about a year ago, give or take. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, you were supposed to start your damn YouTube channel then and we still ain't got it still still ain't got it i've still got all my logos and, and everything <laughs> I, I, ain't, I ain't got nothing but but this i got i got it on my wallet because this is where all my marshall fishing except for no marshall fishing other than just for a tax write-off <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the first time i ran across you was during that video with him because i i've been watching his stuff since like 2014 when i bought my first kayak yeah. Um, wasn't even for fishing, but you know, anyway. Yeah, um, Justin's so, yeah, great. Man. I, I'm so happy he's had success with that. It's uh he's he's a goofy dude, but man, he's he's great. <laughs> he's he's so great. I'm I'm happy he's yeah. he's doing well with that. Well, he, he teaches, he's he's honest about what he does and he teaches. And to me, if you want to be if, if you and I've said this a million times on this show, so I won't go into it deep because we need to get back to real shit. Yeah, a YouTube channel fishing, especially nowadays, not not five eight years ago when people were just starting, but nowadays, you need to catch big fish. It don't matter what kind of fish it is; just needs to be big. And or you need you need to it needs to be educational. Yeah, like like that. Those two things are are what set the the new folks coming on. Yeah, I, I set them apart. I, I, a lot of time trying to learn, watch, go, go and hang out with Justin and and watch and see what he does. And, and when when he's doing those live videos and I try my best mm-hmm. to be there and just watch and learn and things like that. Um, for the longest time, as far as YouTube goes, I, I thought, who's going to want to listen to some 21, 22, 23-year-old kid um, ramble on about kayak fishing? And then as time goes on, it's like, oh, you know, somebody's going to know more than me. Somebody, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know the most. And then when you really get to a point where you're thinking about it and you take a step back and look objectively at what's going on, um, you know, everybody knows the Guggen Squad. And and I watch Guggen Squad videos and I get pissed off because I'm like, man, these 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 dudes are my age or younger, and 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 I ain't gonna talk bad about nobody. But at the same time, it's like, dude, I, I don't I don't know what y'all are even doing in half these videos. <laughs> and I'm not the type of person that's gonna strap a GoPro to a fish and, and a ten pounder and let it swim around and try to get GoPro footage off of it. I just assume not be famous is to do that because I would feel bad that's about right. it. Um. But I, I really like tactical bassin, and I think that they do a great job of explaining things and being pretty straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Education. Catfish does a great job. I mean, never yeah. years. I think that they would be, you know, a hundred thousand people or whatever he's got that what that yeah. subscribe to his channel. Well, 
what's crazy about Justin, and this is and this is and he's he's the one, Alex, you know, on this show, we bring on we bring on content creators at that's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, tournament anglers, uh, regular ass dudes, you know, whoever. We bring people on this show who like to fish and that they it doesn't matter where, how, why. But I brought this up on a lot of our content creation thing. I use him as a great example, right? He yeah. he's got a stock intro with, with his with his music and all his his stuff is not is not I didn't even, it's, it's edited, but it's yeah. just it's cuts like it's cuts of him talking, yeah. catching fish, educating, talking fish. But what it comes down to with him, he catches big ass fish and you'll yeah. see in his comments over and over and over people will go that what what he's calling dinks is like the biggest catfish I've ever caught. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the recurring thing. He's out there in a kayak catching 20, 30, 40, 50 pound catfish in a kayak. Yeah. And and and, and you know, I mean that's it's just that's a whole different he's not doing anything special. He doesn't have a video crew. He he doesn't have all these editing tricks and pew, cut, pew, cut, pew, like 85 cast cut out before you catch, you know, you yeah. catch, oh, it's a giant, it's a giant. It comes back as a pound every, yeah. you know, it's just that. But whole different ball game. We, we get away from that. Get away from that. We get back <laughs> to your story. Fishing with your dad, y'all grew up. Got your license, started fishing the creeks, uh, Fort Loudon, a sorry ass lake in Tennessee. Terrible. <laughs> sorry. Terrible. That's terrible. Terrible. Ter- terrible. So you, you go from that and 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 now you're in a kayak. So you're starting to sounds like you're starting to graduate into more more competitive fishing in the kayak. Yeah, um, out the gate, first kayak tournament was um a college kayak tournament. Um, it was on Gunnersville, so my first kayak tournament wasn't even home state of Tennessee. Drove down to Gunnersville and uh, finished second in the individual. Our Tennessee team won the team championship. I've still got my black pack as my trophy from that that I still use to this day because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And um, and 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 went and went to the next KBF Open, which was on Santee Cooper, which was essentially the national championship at the time. Korea, Santee Cooper. I grew up about I don't know about forty five minutes from there. Well, for the record, I hated it. I well, hated yeah, it. it was cold. It was twenty, <laughs> probably twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. It was garbage. Apparently, the lake was on a down year. Uh, Wind blowing. It, it was everything. The wind was blowing. It was cold. We had a frost the morning of. I'm in my freaking mm-hmm. pelican paddling around. It, it was <laughs> awful. I hated it. it. So you was doing circles. Oh, I was. Yeah, I, I was. I was doing my best just to not drown. And um, I was like, man, I said, if 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 this place ever comes back, I, I'm never going back. And to this day, right. I have never went and fished another tournament. Yeah, but you're going back next year. Yeah, said you were. Uh, shout out to Vinny because because Vinny Vinny's taught me into it. Yeah. Almost for the moment, drove down there this past weekend um, to the uh-huh. big bass thing. I'm kind of glad I didn't because they roasted it down there, and I probably would not have won big bass. I think we <laughs> caught like a twenty twenty four inch or something down there. So what's funny about Santee is I grew up catfishing there. I've heard and, of catfishing lake, dude. This it's, it's it, I mean. 
world-renowned. I mean, there's some giants in there. And, and and it ain't deep either. You you catfish in like six foot of water, catching <laughs> forty pounders. That's cool. I mean, uh, I, yeah. It's also see you that the time you're down there, you probably didn't see it. It's also loaded with big ass alligators. I saw a small alligator when I was down there. Yeah, well, you come down there in in the spring when it's warmed up. There's there the there's the small one you saw probably is a snack for the big ones. I mean, we talking about there's some 12, 13 footers. They just started being able to kill alligators out of there in South Carolina, like 2010, I think, somewhere around there, 2010, give or take a couple of years. And um, there's some there's some dinosaurs coming out of there. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I they told me the same thing about you follow and you follow. I, I didn't see a whole lot of big ones. You know, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm from Tennessee, so I don't exactly see a whole lot of alligators up here. Yeah. God. Um, I'm not a fan of the big lizards and, you know, we, we go and, and, and redfish in South Louisiana down there at Venice mm-hmm. every now and then we, we went down there a couple of years for about a week at a time and, and there ain't a whole lot of small gators down there. There's a lot of big gators down there. And, uh, we, we always went in the middle of August. So you'd hear them creeping around <laughs> God knows what kind of noises. And, uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Ufala. You know, somebody's like, you better watch out for gators down there. And I'm like, man, I've dealt with gators and my pelican at Santee Cooper that weren't real big. I've, I've seen big gators. And there's a fantastic gator story about where, you know, everybody likes to think they're a bad dude when, when shit hits a fan. It turns out if if I pedal over top of a gator in Venice, Louisiana, and I hit it with my pedal drive, and it turns me 180 degrees backwards, I turn into a screaming woman. <laughs> and p- pistol in my kayak or not, I, I do carry a Glock in the kayak and, and with me quite a bit. I that ain't it within reach, woman. though. <laughs> and, and when, when Is it hits some camera. No, it is not on camera. Thank God. Damn. Um, there, there is eyewitness report. Um, but uh, you, you can't see it here because it's saying. But I, I, I tuck my knees up in my Hobie seat, and, and my legs come up off the off the pedals, and I, I keep my pistol down in my my center hatch in the console, uh-huh. the drop in box, and when when it hits the fan. I'm not reaching down for the dropping box, it turns out, because when, when, it, when it goes sideways in a hurry. Fetal position. <gasps> lot, lot of screaming is, is what's happening. Now, is that a uh, downplayed scream? Scream like it scream like you I, did I, when I, I can't happened. scream like it's going to happen, because my man and papa come out here thinking somebody's done bloody murder, because <laughs> my, 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 my little tackle <laughs> Here by my mom and papa's house. And they, they don't need they don't need a heart attack at ten o'clock at night because I'm I'm lucky they they ain't out here unplugging my power and and going to bed yet. So uh, yeah, so, I, th- think think of something you see out of a movie of a small girl, not even a full size woman. Think of a small girl in in a, in a movie, and that's that's the kind of scream that that you would hear. See, see, that's that's wonderful because I mean. How many of us fishing are reeling in that buzz bait or reeling in some kind of topwater lure and you get it right to the boat and the fish hits it and you're like, oh shit, you know? I mean, yeah. think think of an alligator. Hey, <laughs> an I'm, I'm, I'm a dirty person. 
I'm a jumpy person anyway. So it's <laughs> fish blows up beside me. I'm already jumping, <laughs> you know, jumping. And man, I mean, I was, I was pedaling along right here in this little cut, you know, like you see in on TV show, I'm, I'm cutting through there and I go to pedal and it's like, I hit a stump at Seminole, just a foot pedal stops. And yeah, then I yeah. go, backwards but there's a there's a weight leaving i didn't, I didn't know moved. i could been in the water for all i knew i had no idea what was happening i'm laughing because i've, I've been in you know some su- similar situations but uh yeah it's i mean that's the thing man you get into these lakes down where i'm at you the, your your visibility is two feet. Yeah, like on good days it's two feet. So you don't you you can't you just you can only guess how big that that it could have been it could have been a six foot alligator, which will take toes and fingers. Yeah, or it could have been a thirteen footer that takes down two hundred pound deer. It it, it took um it, it took a fourteen foot pro angler and turned me backwards. So as far as I'm concerned. It was a twenty-seven foot alligator. <laughs> so, so what did you do after that happened? Not, not directly. Like once you, once you realized your your big ass was alive. What did, uh, did you go fishing, or you like we leaving, we gone? No, no joke, no joke. I asked my buddy. I said, "Which way did it go?" He said, "Well, I, I don't know." And I kind of <laughs> sat there for a second. We looked around. We we're like, all right, so we started working our way back towards the truck, still fishing, mind you, once we got out of the area. I pedaled I pedaled rather quickly for about 20, 30 yards, and then I was like, well, I don't know whether I'm going towards it or against it or away from it or whatever else. I might be chasing it for all I know. And um, it, was, it was very, very funny. You know, we were all giving each other a hard time. I was already smiling about it once, once everything was cool. Um, it was a little uneasy that twenty or thirty yards. I had Glock in hand, <laughs> uh, looking around. Were you flutter was, kicking? Oh, flutter kicking, one hundred percent. I was, I was petrified. And once, <laughs> once we kind of got back out in the open, I felt a lot better. Did you get your gun in your hand? Get gun, yeah, you know, gun was in hand. I, I had one hand on the rudder, one <laughs> hand looking, <laughs> flutter kicking. <laughs> And, um, and, and it was, it was very funny and I I didn't really think a whole lot of it after that. It it didn't, I was like, okay, well, you know, worst case scenario, I spook an alligator. It's not going to attack me. And I was very calm and we get back to this little place we call the mud launch or as we like to say it with a little accent, because the random Cajun that told us about it, called it the mud launch down at the mud launch down there. And um, we get back to the mulange, and there's a, a great big Cajun um, old man with a uh, with with some sort of flat bottom boat rig. Yeah, mulange down there. Mulange, mulange, and uh, AKA mud launch. We get back to the mulange where the truck is, and um, Cajun's there putting his boat in, and he had all these bamboo poles. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, man, I said, uh, I said, what you doing today? He said, it's alligator season. I'm going to get an alligator. And I said, man, I said, there's about a freaking giant alligator a <laughs> hundred yards that way. I said, I said, that would make me the happiest person in the world if I came back over here later and you had that thing strung up. 
And he said, he said, how you know it's an alligator over there? I said, well, I snuck up on it and I hit it with my bow. And he looked down. I'll never forget it. You can ask the guys I was with. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. He looks down, looks back up, and he goes, oh, no. You don't sneak up on alligator. Alligator sneak up on you. And I went, <laughs> oh, my God. And that, that story was never the same. It, it was it was very funny to me. It was relaxing for a little bit. Back to the back to the ramp, and then the rest of the week I was down there. I was petrified every time I went <laughs> because so, so because it never hit me that I I probably did not sneak up on the alligator. That I might have just I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't want to know what happened at this point. As far no. as I'm concerned, I still yeah. stuck up on the alligator. Yeah. It, look, it, have you seen the movie Lake Placid from the nineties? No, no. Uh, well, it's it's about a it's about these crocodiles in a lake in New York. So the shit's fictional as hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I can promise you the alligator ain't ain't coming up to eat your kayak fins. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> damn! See, see, we hey, look, guys, uh, if you're still here with us, we're gonna transition from from Jordan about getting ate by a twenty seven foot alligator. Down in Louisiana, we're gonna transition back to what we were talking about. I don't forgot where the fuck we. Are <laughs> uh, we talking about you alligators were... at Santa? Oh Cooper. no, no, we, 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 we got off on the alligator tangent because you went down to Santee in your pelican. Yes, yeah, I, uh, I was comfortable with alligators. Comfortable, you follow. They were time giant. out. Time out. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. I, hold on. I'm gonna interrupt you. I, 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 I hold on. Y'all, this man drove from Tennessee to South Carolina <laughs> to fish in 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 one of the most. Uh, you listen to to professional boat anglers talk about what are your top three worst lakes ever <laughs> to fish on, most dangerous, scariest situations. Ninety percent of them, if they fished. If they fish down on Santee when the wind was blowing, the weather was bad, 90% of them have Santee Harris on the ass. This man drove his ass down from Tennessee to go fish Santee <laughs> Cooper in a pelican. <laughs> yeah, in, in a pelican with uh, with rubber stoppers in my in my scupper holes. Because that was what somebody told me to do. Go to Home Depot, get little rubber stoppers that look like wine bottle stoppers. Yeah. And you smash them things down in your scupper holes. Hammer and them down. When it gets windy, the scupper holes have a purpose because they drain your kayak out of water. That's right. Well, um, the first day I did not have a sponge, so I just kept going back to the back to the area where I put in at, and I just kind of turned my kayak over, drain the water out, and then go paddle twenty or thirty yards away, and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't catch any fish. And um, day two, I got smart. I went to Walmart that night and I bought a sponge and sponge <laughs> that water, so I didn't have to make as many trips to the, to the to the boat dock that day. But it just it was it was not the brightest decision I made. Santee was tough and it was miserable. Um, and but and, but the story is leading to you creating who you are as an angler now and how you fish simple, how you keep fishing simple. Yeah, that's. So, 
Well, long, long story short, there's there's a million stories, obviously, like, <laughs> like has. And uh, long story short, um, I started fishing local stuff, and our we're very very blessed to have lots of different types of lakes here. Within two hours, our local trail, no matter what it's been called, who runs it over the last like six seven years, we'll fish Cherokee and Douglas, sometimes Norris, and those those three are very highland reservoirs. They get dropped mm-hmm. twenty feet, thirty feet mm. in the center. It's all raw, and and if unless you fish it in the spring, then you fish it in the spring, and it's a it's a thinko bite because <laughs> they get up on them flooded trees and stuff, and you basically just go flip flooded brush, and if you're in the right place, you can catch a bunch of smallmouth and flooded brush on singos. Hmm. And um, you know, you you got to be versatile enough. You know, in the winter, you do a lot of cranking, depending on what time of year you're up there. You can go up there and throw top water all day. And just cover water. A lot of those highland reservoirs are just covering water because I'm not going to go out there and throw a Demiki in 40 foot. And um, you know, then then we have lakes like Loudon and Telco, um, and even Melton Hill. Um, they're all three notoriously tough. They're all right here, kind of the closest lakes around the house. Um, we've got beautiful, beautiful, clear mountain lakes with you know the upper end of Telcos like that, and and Chill Howie, which is one of the lakes really close to my house. It's it's just unbelievably clear. It's a small little mountain lake with with three boat ramps on it, and um, then you know we'll travel down and we'll fish Watts Bar and Chickamauga, and you know everybody knows about Chickamauga. It's got giant giant fish in it, and. Watts Bar, which is a very, very fantastic lake that has really good fishing. It's got a lot of the 18, 17, 18, 19 inch fish in it. And, you know, really, you know, we've got grass fisheries and we, we've got unbelievable rivers here and you just have to be very versatile. And, you know, nobody really practices and pre-fishes for um, local tournaments, kayak tournaments, you know, because we're all just working folks, you know, working Monday through Friday and fish tournament on Saturday and go to church on Sunday. And, a lot of the, you know, tournaments, you know, you're showing up fishing. A lot of times we're at the same boat ramp and especially same boat ramp tournaments like we all do with kayaks. Whoever covered the most water normally won. Um, unless there was just a magical spot, you know, within a mile or so of the, of the boat ramp, you know, whoever covered the most water generally won. So I kind of got in the habit of doing that, you know, from, from the get-go. Even when I was paddling, I'd do seven miles in the Pelican and just be miserable. <laughs> I learned really quickly. I had to get a hug. all right. But, all right, so so let's 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 timestamp this. When when the hell did you quit? When did you upgrade from the Pelican? Like I don't care after that. But when did you be? When were you like? I this is dumb. I'm going to pay extra three hundred dollars and get a real kayak. What's nuts is I've owned basically three bands of kayaks. I had my original Pelican. I've had quite a few Jacksons over the years. But as far as my primary kayak and how long it lasted, I had a Pelican longer than I had a Jackson. Because <laughs> I had my Pelican for probably two years off the start. Wow. I had my Jackson <clears throat> that I bought in October. And by the following July... My my Jackson didn't even make it a year as my primary boat. I I bought a Hobie within a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so so you figured out you 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 like I'm, but you're also fishing in an area where you've got some of the best anglers, kayak anglers in the country. Absolutely, so you're get you're getting to see 
the the boats they're in. You're probably they probably even you may maybe have tried them out. Like you were able to see stuff, see how they had them set up, and so that that Jackson to Hobie just being around those folks that had a wide probably I would I would bet you went to a tournament there a Saturday tournament and probably every kayak every fishing kayak made was at that tournament in the area you're in. Yeah, especially the first few years. There was a lot of Wildy because Wildy was really popular. Mm-hmm. Bonafide. Um, huh? Yeah, pro- those in Bonafides. Oh, well, this is, I'm, I'm talking like pre, pre-Bonafide. I'm talking like uh-huh. early, like, like Ascend. Um, oh, yeah, okay, okay. All right. um, Heritage, like all, all those like OG fishing kayaks, Jackson, Wildy, um, Perception, all like the OG. Mm-hmm paddle kayaks were there and there was one dude in a hobie and it took about two tournaments of me seeing that and going all right we're all putting in at the same boat ramp I, i'm i'm a young guy and i'm paddling my freaking butt off in this kusa and i had an og kusa this is pre-kusa hd days there was no hd uh-huh. um and i just watched that dude just gone i'm like <laughs> You know, I'll wise up to something here. And at first it was like, man, I don't know if pedals are right. There's so much of an advantage. I got in a, uh, I got in a Hobie for the first time and bought one within a week. Mm-hmm. I was, I was <clears throat> 19 mm. and yeah, that's right. Three years, 19. I, I went out and bought, I, I went out and bought a Hobie, a used Hobie Pro Angler 12, which is sitting right outside this building right now. Oh, nice. Have. <laughs> It was a 2014 Hobie that was, you know, a year or two old. Yeah. Love it. It was, it was literally one of the best purchases. I can honest to goodness say that was the best purchase I think I've ever made in my life. Um, because it just opened the door for so much. It was, it was mm-hmm. unbelievable. I mean, after that, it seemed like I could cover more water. It seemed like it was such an advantage. It just wasn't even fair, whether it was rivers or, or just these big highland reservoirs or whatever it was. It seemed like wherever I went, I could cover more water than everybody else. And the more water I covered, the more fish I caught. So I started fishing faster and faster and faster. And you ask a lot of the guys I fish with, they're like, I fish fast, but this dude, this dude will leave, will leave you in a hurry. If, if we're going down the river or something where it's, you know, make as many accurate casts as possible Mm -hmm. and don't get hung up. Um, and I feel like that's something that I do really, really well is is, is make very accurate casts. Um, Drew Gregory's like that. I, you know, Drew, Drew gets up in a lot right. of stuff. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people <clears throat> that when they get Drew on camera and stuff is is he's very fundamentally and technically sound. Um, and there's, you know, you'll see a lot of guys in, in videos and stuff do that. There's um pro neighbor one of the guys we fish with he's very very technically sound you don't hear of him getting hung up a whole lot or when probably the best name and probably the best name in fishing pro neighbor yeah he's 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 a goon man i i talked to him today they're they're we're trying to get our tournament planned out for for saturday and so that's interesting you talk about covering water because down here our lakes down here are you know uh are small comparatively speaking to the big lakes that folks are fishing in in these professional tournaments. That's why Bass has never been to Harris Falls or or Jordan. MLF comes down here because they can split their people up 
and then put 30 boats on Harris, which is a small, small reservoir. And so in the kayak fishing here, though, because there's they're small, so there's not a lot of, of uh, like, Drew Gregory places to put in. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of backwater. There's not a lot of places you can just stick kayaks in. We're putting in at, at ramps. And so when you talk about covering water, that's what I like to do. Like I, I'll, I will cover 13, 14 miles. I got a, I got a 2019 pro angler. So I'll cover 13, 14 miles in a tournament. Usually those are the ones that either it's that time of year, right? They're up on the bank and I'm hitting specific stuff or what I plan to do ain't working (laughs) or I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. And so I can cover that water in this boat, but what, Sharon Harris is a good example, but there's two places to put in, in that lake. And like, um, today I listened to BTL's podcast from yesterday and they had, uh, Garrett pocket on. Yeah. And he taught one of the things he talked about was the difference between the elites and fishing. The opens was the elites. Your pattern, you pattern as my daughter used to call it pattern, you pattern <laughs> some fish. And so when you patter in those fish, you go hit all those spots. You know, if it's rocky points, you go hit all the rocky points. Yeah. But there's a, there's 100 boats. But in the opens, there's 200 boats. You have yeah. to spot fish. Yeah. You, know, you, you have a couple spots, and you hope that the one you get on first is one they're biting because somebody's probably going to be in your other spots. And yeah. so that's that's one of the things around this area that I've learned, which is different from what you said, is that here there's a lot of spot fishing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's hard to because I like that. If if I don't if if nothing's working, I know I can just go, go, go until I can either find a pattern or I can there's gonna be fish at certain points in certain areas to go, and it makes it hard. Um so all right, real so <clears throat> for the the anglers that are are new. And when news relative, right? Right. What what got you to start to realize or to start to narrow down those baits and those colors? How did you start to come? Like, what is your thought process? So you got all these new anglers. They're watching tactical bass and they're watching all these shows about all these baits. How did you start to narrow down the, the like a color in in a bait and, and I think you need to throw a bunch of different baits, but how did you start to narrow it down to keep it simple like you do? Um it's if you were talking to a new angler who wanted to know that. Personally for me it's it's two things. It's so okay, fair enough. Um I was I was about to explain it backwards and I think this is gonna explain a little easier. Um well, explain it backwards because that to, to me, that makes sense to explain it backwards because it's, it's it sounds like there's it's, a there's a timeline and a story. It's confidence in what I'm throwing, and you get to a certain point of, um, okay, I'm only gonna buy these because it's it, it all started. It came from a conversation I had um, with a very popular bait maker and asking him about custom painting colors. And I asked him, I said, man, I said, I would love to get this custom painted. Do you think this looks a little better on this big glide bait with 
and I like to throw big, big baits too. And I was like, do you think it makes a difference on a little bit of gill pattern, a little red stripe on the gill? And he basically told me, he's like, Hey man, I've guided for a long time before I started making baits. In my opinion, there's only lights and darks. Mm-hmm. And not long after I had that conversation with him, I was up at Dale Hollow fishing a tournament and I ran into a, just some random local guy and I was telling him, I was like, man, I've thrown 30 different colors of crankbaits today. And I said, I cannot figure them out. He said, man, he said, it's Dale Hollow. He said, you do two things. He said, you throw white baits or black baits. <laughs> and I was like, huh. You know, that kind of goes in line with a conversation yeah. I had like six days beforehand. And, um, he, he mm-hmm. said, have you thrown white? And I said, yeah. He said, you thrown black? I said, no. And, of course, I look over in their boat, and they've got basically just all black and red, black and blue stuff tied on. And I said, why you got black and blue and black and red? He said, that's just the one I bought. They yep. didn't have black and blue, so I bought black and red. And I was like, you know what? So I started, you know, slowly working my way down. And I don't particularly just go white and black. I don't particularly just go light dark. I think there's certain things like the three spinnerbait colors I throw. I've got a white and chartreuse that I throw everywhere I go. I've got a basic shad colored willow leaf um, pattern. And I've got um, a very, very natural color. And I think that's where, um, you know, you kind of differ. So I like to look at things as bright whether it's white or chartreuse or pink i mean this one's got white chartreuse and pink on there and and i and if there's a chartreuse trailer on there that's fine with me i like to keep it simple um and that's why i have nine million chartreuse baits over here hanging mm-hmm. on because i, I so, just once once i found something i like i bought a bunch of them uh frank scalish says that bass see chartreuse as a brighter white that's, that, that's what that's so they see white, but the chartreuse isn't obviously we go into the science yeah. of how bass see, but but the he what he said was that yellow shows up as a brighter white to them. Yeah, I mean that that probably explains a lot is is why that goes and and you know the third part of that conversation as far as you know things clicking with me, um here's here's a here's a question i'll ask you um and my my question pertained to what bright colored bait should i throw in muddy water and a guy told me one time he said well when the water's really really dirty and you catch a fish you know what does the bass look like when you when it when you catch it i'm like i don't know it's like pale and he goes so it's more white and i'm like well yeah he said so why are you throwing bright blues and everything else if the water's dingy and you're and you're throwing white or you're trying to throw different colors. He said, why not just throw pale white? Because if the bass are getting white, the bait fish are getting more white. And I'm like, man, that's the simplest, smartest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it became one of those things where, um, obviously you have situational colors with, with very, very bright whites and things like that. And I've got spinner baits that are all white with white blades. And I've got jackhammers that with white blades that I've painted and, you know, everybody has situational things like that. But if, if I'm going somewhere, nine times out of ten, when you go fish a tournament, 
the water's a reasonable color. Um, I don't fish a lake a whole lot. I don't fish a lake more than a few times in a year, unless it's like a Thursday night tournament on Loudon, and that that lake's a bad. You're not going to pattern fish most of the time. The worst uh, lake in the country. It, it's one of the worst, honestly. And and I like to think of that as is a good place where I learned how to just grind through and, and oh, catch yeah. fish. Um, but at the end of the day, I've got to have enough baits that I know I can show up anywhere in the country and more than likely figure them out. Green pumpkin Cinco's. I've got black and blue Cinco's. Now mm-hmm. I don't have white Cinco's. I've got some white flukes. And as far as I'm concerned, a fluke is just a white Cinco and it, it darts a little different because I rig it differently. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got white spinner baits and, and two natural colored spinner baits, one for bluegill and one for that. When it comes to jigs, I've got green jigs for the spring black jigs for the winter and brown jigs for if the water's really clear. And I think, you know, it seems, it seems right. I don't carry a whole bunch of different colors of jigs and things like that. I I like to try to get things in in threes and almost all the time that I'm using all those, I've got a green pumpkin trailer on all three of them, (laughs) you know, I I buy a bunch of these and I keep a bunch of these in bolt. It's no secret. Uh Um, I'm, I'm, I'm plain. If um, I've, it, it, I, I I try not to just keep it. I keep it where um, I just don't like to complicate things at all. I've got um, I've got red worms that people throw, like just you tail worms that I drag around, swim mm-hmm. swim whatever you want to do with them. I've got red worms. I've got an old worm that I like because my papa threw it for a long time. It's a pumpkin worm with a bright chartreuse tail. I don't know mm-hmm. why that thing works, but it works. And it's, <laughs> like, that's my quote unquote bright worm. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's about it for worms. I, I'm, I, I've probably got more in there, maybe some black, small black worms for drop shots. I've got, um, I've got bright pink drop shot worms because that seems to be like the Aaron's magic color. Um, and then I've got a very, very plain, like a shad colored, like a off, off clear colored gray and white colored worm. And then I've got a, uh, like green pumpkin flatworm. Cause that seems to be something that's just stupid. And I have no idea, you know, why that works, but it does. So I, I try, I try to just keep two or three things of everything that typically makes sense to me. Now I've got, um, as far as I'm concerned, there's only two colors of crankbaits. There's red and there's shad. <laughs> everything else yeah i'm reeling a crankbait nine times out of ten i'm reeling a crankbait so fast i hope they don't see it more than just it right and yeah, I there's nothing slow about crankbaiting i don't care who you are what you're doing crankbaiting is now i say that from this aspect like i throw anything i'm throwing eight foot or deeper i've got on a five to one reel and and you know, if I throw that shit all day long, I'm, you know, I'm not wore out, but man, I'm tired because yeah. it is, I want it digging in, in there. There ain't nothing slow. There ain't nothing slow about crankbait. And if you got to slow a crankbait down, you might as well throw on a jerkbait. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I agree with that. So yeah. Slow. I don't throw a jerkbait. You can ask anybody. I hate throwing a jerkbait. <laughs> I don't, I've got one box of jerkbaits and half of them are mega bass. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I've spent so much money on them. I don't know what to do with them. Somebody just needs to come in and I'll sell them these jerk baits because I don't know what half of them are. They're, they're, you know, all kinds of red, fancy mega bash jerk baits with straight eyes and everything else. And I'm just doing them a disservice because I ain't moved them from this box out here on my table and, and months. And they're, they're supposed to be pretty good, but I've got fancy, fancy jerk baits that are, there's there's two fancy jerk baits right there. Some some of my jerk bait yep. people are mine. I'm sitting these. That's spawn cherry or something like that. I don't know how much uh, I for that clear one and that red one's supposed to be a fancy one too. I just they're they're supposed to be good, but I, I don't know what I I don't know what I'm doing with it. So they so they sit here. That's my jerk bait box. They got a fancy nice little Plano jerk bait. Well, box. well obviously so obviously during jerk quote unquote jerk bait season, right? Because I don't believe – there's times when you throw baits that do certain things, but not certain baits because of the time of the year, if that makes yeah. sense. And if Alex was here, like he'd, he'd do this. March. Well, damn, again, Frank Scalish is talking about he's catching bass in, in water that's 38 and 40 degrees on crankbaits. So, I mean, and he's a professional angler. He, yeah. It's just for leaving, living now. But – um. But you know, it's it's if you catch fish during during jerk bait season, doing something else, then and you're catching the same. If you're not catching a bunch of you know ten and twelve inches, you're yeah. catching the same quality fish. That why why would you change, right? That that why would I do something different if I'm catching the same quality fish as Paul doing this right here instead of throwing the jerk bait? Why? Why would I change? Maybe, maybe to learn something new. Yeah. And this, where I think certain baits and certain colors do come into play in certain areas, like when you go to Florida, and not even Florida, you go to where I grew up in South Carolina. We've got a lot of that that sweet tea water. Yeah. So it's it's black water. It's yeah. it's clear. It doesn't look clear, but it's clear. It's just it looks like sweet tea, right? Yeah, you can see farther down in the water than you than you perceive, and so growing up in that area, red shad, corporate worms, and then the the um, what was it, cottonmouth? I don't know. It's a corporate worm that's black and gold. Oh yeah, I uh, black I, and gold. It's I, old school. They're they're black on one side, and like a yellowy gold on the bottom. That's right. Now I, look. Let's preface talking about colors again because you hadn't been on the podcast before. I'm colorblind. So when I start talking about colors, my shit, what I say, the word that comes out of my mouth might not be what the color actually is because my wife all the time is going, um, that's that's blue. I'm like, that shit looks purple to me. It looks like damn Barney. Yeah. So, but yes, black black and gold corporate worm, the red shad corporate worm. That that's like where I grew up. That's what you threw on a text strip. Yeah. Heavy grass, heavy weeds. You threw that, or a buzz bait in the morning. That was it. So there are certain specific situations that you get in where certain colors are what they just do there. Yeah. But in general. Steel, what is that though? That's a, a dark colored worm. A red shad's red and black. That's a yeah, dark colored that's, worm. That's dark to me, yeah. yeah. I, 
and, and so, you hear about a lot of that stuff everywhere we go. I mean, every every lake has its its time and place for everything. You know, when 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 I go to Loudon, um, there's a particular jig that I like to throw that's got. Um, I'm not going to give it away because somebody would shoot me if they ever saw it. But it's it's got uh, it's got flash like a marabou, like almost you would tie uh-huh. hair hair into. And 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 for whatever reason, for about a month and a half, I'll, I'll take a few of my jigs and I'll tie a little of that in it, and then I, I keep those jigs set aside. And then mm-hmm. wherever wherever I go in February and March, I'll throw a red crankbait. When you go fish cypress trees for whatever reason, they like a black and blue cinco, and it's no mm-hmm. secret. Every time we go anywhere with cypress trees, it's black and blue cinco, and you know. Uh, you get to any lake with, with herring or spotted bass and you throw a chrome topwater. And and basically anywhere I've ever been in June in every lake anywhere, um, I throw a popwater or some sort of, you know, popping popping topwater. And I, I mean, I, I don't know. Shad spawn, maybe? I, I don't know. I, I just... Well, well that's part, partly shad spawn depending on where you are. But during that time of the year, at least in the south, right, that's that's your bluegill spawns. You have a lot of bluegill that are that are shallow and popping. I I fucking hate popping lures. Like I want a walking bait. I want to throw the walking bait. If they aren't biting that, I'm gonna throw like a, a a whopper plopper or something like that. If they ain't throwing that, I'm going to something else. I hate because I want my topwater baits to be moving. Like yeah. I'm not about damn pop pop and let it sit for five minutes and go eat a cracker and eat a sandwich <laughs> and shit like that. Like, no, I, I want to throw, I want to throw, that's why I like super spooks. I want to yeah. throw it as far as I can go until I'm almost out of line. And then I start walking it back a hundred miles an hour. Fast you can, right? Well, I mean, you know, to a certain extent. Yeah. But, yeah. um, it's so, fast so to get that, away with anyway. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I just, just, I don't fish, um, I don't fit. I fish Nico rigs. Like I don't. I don't want to throw a Cinco out there and let it take thirty seconds to do this down in the water. I throw that I, out I there in my Nico rig. Huh? I've never thrown a Nico rig. Not one time. I like. I like to take that stick bait and I use. I use roofing nails. I don't. Yeah. I don't buy. I do not buy fishing Nico rig nails. It's a waste of fucking money because what happens every time you wacky rig that thing, it, you're going to lose it. I yeah. don't care what you do and you're going to lose it. So I use roofing nails. I've got a whole box back there. I don't blame and you. I let them, and I let them roll around in the back of my truck. I'll take the box and I dump it out in the back of my truck and I dump them in my kayak, especially during the postpone time because they get a little bit rusty and crusty. Yeah. And they stick in the and they stick in the um I throw a lot of yum dingers. Yeah. They stick in there better. And so when I'm skipping them under stuff, the nail doesn't come out as much. I ain't lying yeah, either. It's got some texture to them. The rust, yeah, the yeah. Yeah, so the worms got yeah. some. Because otherwise they're they're beautiful galvanized, shiny silver things, and the yeah. nail pops off, you know, skipping all the time. But anyway. So, right, I, a, but I throw that damn Cinco, that Nico rig out there. I want it to, I want it to hit. I want it to go past that fish fast. And yeah. th- here, let me backtrack a little bit too. Have you ever heard of spoon plugging or Buck Perry? 
No, I can't say I have. Now, okay. you might explain you it. Would, to me. I might have heard. You of wouldn't. It. So, Buck Perry um, is the father of structure fishing, offshore fishing, bass behavior. He started this back in like the fifties. Just go do some research on him. It's phenomenal. Don Dixon, go look at Don Dixon on on YouTube. Now, how they fish, spoon plugging, he made a crankbait. It's a metal crankbait, so it falls to the ground. And when you reel it, it's it c- continues contact. You don't yeah. have to reel it down. So I won't get into the specifics and, and how they fish, because it, it, it entails trolling in with how they fish. But when he talks about bass behavior and bass movement, to me... That is, that's the most important part about fishing. And I think it's the most overlooked part about fishing because people look to baits and technology. The technology helps us find the movements. But they look at colors and baits versus looking at the movement of fish. Because Buck Perry always says, you can't catch fish where fish ain't. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. So, So, and he says, color don't damn matter. You have to have the right depth, so you got to be fishing where the fish are, and you got to have the right speed, which is either fast or slow. Yeah, and so Fair. that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, that's 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 how I've tried to simplify my fishing. Is are the bass shallow? Well, they're either shallow, deep, or somewhere in between, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I got to figure out where they are: shallow, deep, somewhere in between. And they might be deep now, but an hour they're shallow. They don't move constantly and they don't move consistently. So the easiest things for me to control is the depth of my lure and the speed of my lure. Yeah. Because once you get down to 20 feet in the majority of lakes, the light penetration is so little, color don't fucking matter. All they see is a profile. Right. Um, There was something that I picked up, I don't know, quite a few years ago with um fly fishermen and i was trying to get into fly fishing a little bit hated it and was just i thought i was i mean i was awful at it was trying to figure out how to get just a little better and uh one of the interesting things that you see with a lot of fly fishermen at least what i found was they say change your lure is a last ditch effort Mm -hmm. because you want to change your presentation first and then change where you're fishing, and then and then change lures is only a last ditch effort because you don't want to waste your leader because it's very hard to replace leaders. And once you run out, you're done. All right, yeah. And you know that really kind of sat with me. Like, you know what? If 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 I can get one bite on something, I'm going to throw this thing all day. And uh, I got, <laughs> yeah. Um, That was one of those things where, you know, they, they just, they, they wanted, they always mentioned change lure only as a last ditch effort, change, change where you're at, change, change your depth, change how fast the bait's moving or or you, you know, mending line or whatever enough. And I never didn't understand all that stuff. And, you know, that was something if, you know, if, if it's a tough day, you know, could I throw 5,000 lures all day in a tough tournament and, you know, catch five fish? I don't know. But if I get one bite on something, I'm going to go and throw that thing as many times as possible. And if heaven to help, if I get two bites on something, 
well, I'm, I'm on to something at that point, and I can just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it, especially if the two bites are the same. So I, I'm, I'm by all means for don't change baits unless you have to. If, if I get a bite on something and it's tough and I know it's tough, I'm just going to keep throwing the same thing all day, and it'll be glued yeah. to my and, and I think there's a lot to say time on the water too. So the profile change. So th- this is this is the way that I break it down. First, I want to find fish. So what what's the weather? You know, what is all this? What's the time of year? Where are the fish so, supposed to be? That's where I'm going to start and then go from, from there. But when it comes to actually fishing, um, I mean, I think forward size has a lot to do with bait size. Um. But to me, it's, it's getting the lure, it's finding the fish, getting the lure at the right depth and the right speed. With technology, we can now find fish a lot better, right? And, and it doesn't sound like you do a lot of offshore. I don't know what you consider offshore, but it sounds like you're, you're up on the bank fishing cover, fishing specific points close to the bank, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if I'm familiar with an area... And there's um, pre-existing things that I can find when I get out there. If I can look at a map and go, okay, there's a green marker buoy in this creek. And beside of it's a bunch of stumps that are marked on a map. I'll go out there and I have no problem going out there and cranking stumps and and finding things. I mean, that's, uh, I keep a crankbait with me all the time. And if if I don't have a crankbait with me, then I'll I'll throw the trusty D-bomb out there. And I'll I'll throw a half ounce tungsten weight on there, and I promise you, you know what's on the bottom of the tungsten weight if you're you know dragging it around. <laughs> but yeah. I, I'll keep some sort of crankbait, you know, a few different crankbaits, even when it's not crankbait season. If it's in the middle of the summer, and I'm fishing the backs of creeks or whatever else, I'll, I'll keep a few different depth crankbaits back there. If nothing else, I'll throw it out there just to get it hung to figure out what I'm getting hung on, or or you know catching fish on or. or if there's something back there, I think, hey, there's some stumps back here on the map. I'll, I'll tie a crankbait on my chatterbait rod, and I'll throw a, I'll throw a freaking crankbait out there a few times and figure out what the bottom feels like, and then I'll, I'll go do it. Because there's a lot of times I've had depth finders, and I'm like, man, this looks good. I, I don't know what it, I don't know what it, the bottom yeah. is. I mean, it could be rock or, or sand or whatever else, and I would find myself just doing the same thing. And I'm like, all right, you know, it's eight foot deep out here. I'm gonna tie on the dt14 and sling it out there and come back and and i'm either going to feel something and i'll know what it is or if i don't feel much and i come back and the front of that lip of that crankbait is red then i know it's clay if it come back and it's got nothing on it and i can't hardly feel anything well there's probably sand there and if i come back and there's grass well that's easy enough you know (laughs) yeah you're gonna know that one the quickest if I get hung and it pulls back and forth, well, guess what? There's brush down there. You know, I, I just, I think people overcomplicate things. And I think a lot of the times I can go down a bank and find more about, I mean, think about this. If, if I go down a bank and I'm uh, I'm in practice and I'm throwing top water, I have to throw top water when I practice because um, mm-hmm. you're going to miss a lot of fish on top water. You're going to have a decent idea what size they are. If I go down an area with with a bank that looks inconspicuous and I'm throwing uh, top water, all of a sudden I start getting bites. I'm going to tie a crankbait on, turn around, drag a crankbait through there, figure out, you know, hey, I mean, I already know kind of how deep it is by looking at the bank, looking, you know, doing my map study ahead of time. 
I want to go throw a crankbait through there, figure out either A, how big one of the fish are, B, I'm going to take the hooks off and I'm going to dig that thing down there and figure out what's going on. Or C, I'm going to crank that area. I'm going to go down to where I was not getting bites and crank it again too and, and see if, hey, there's boulders here. There's brush here. There's yada yada. I mean, a lot of that stuff, yeah. you're, you're going to find out even quicker without running over it with a depth finder as anything. So, so on that, this goes back to, to kind of that, that book Perry mindset is, is you always start in the shallows. Always. You start shallow. Yeah. If you, so uh, bass, fish are schooling fish. So if you have, if you have a fish, you're, you're throwing a walking bait, boom, fish hits it, misses. Right away, you're like, well, for the most part, in general, fish are not alone. They're not loners. They school. They school by size. Now, the bigger they get, the smaller the numbers in the school are. Yeah. So you might have three or four, eight to 10 pounders schooling together. But when you get these schools of three to four or five pounders, they, they school in large schools. And anything like a six pound bass is a freak. They're old. They don't get there much. So like an adult, an average adult fish is three to five pounds. Mm-hmm. So you get a bite right there. Well, you just said you stop and you take that immediate area because if there's a fish there, that means there's a movement up. So there's more fish in that area. Now, where are they? And where are they? But my, my always question, when I catch a fish, I'm like, where the hell, how did they get there? Like, what's what's this contour, contour structure? So you're saying you stop and you just fish out of area with the crankbait. Well, what you're doing is, you know, let's say this is your 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 spring to summertime fishing pattern, late fall fishing pattern. So fish are active. You're you're fishing fast, which most of the time is going to generate bites, and you're covering a lot of water, but you're covering their depth. So what are you you're 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 you're, you're covering depth and speed. Everything yeah. else. Everything else doesn't matter. It's yeah. depth and speed. And a lot of times you can find, um, you hit things like probably, you know, it don't have to be exact, but not even necessarily a 45. You hit it like a 30 degree angle. You can kind of work it down. Mm-hmm. You're fishing, say, a lot of the times you're going to look at a bank. And if the bank is sloped um, like that, you know, a lot of times it's going to go in the water and keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, in certain instances, you, you're going to pull up to somewhere and know if you do your map study ahead of time, hey, I'm going to fish this creek today. Everything is basically doing this. And every now and then you'll get somewhere that goes like that. And that's one of the first places you'll, you'll go look at. And a lot of the times, you know what the bottom should be if you've done your contour study ahead of time. Right. If, you, if you look at topographical maps, and this is the same way, con, underwater contour is just a a topographical map underwater. If there's a lot of contour lines together, there's always going to be rock there or close by. Mm -hmm. It it has to be. They they don't, they don't make straight drops of clay underwater. It's just (laughs) not reasonable. Now, somebody has a smart out comment of, Oh, well, you know, you see straight clay banks on, you know, on the bank. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's washed out. You know, there's, there's lay downs and stuff like that. You know, everybody. That, that, that sees, that sees water twice a year. 
versus yeah, that, that's these why twice a year yeah. when the lake's flooded and and if that was all the time all that clay would be washed out and there's going to be just a big sloppy mess there when the water goes down and and that's you can learn a lot about the structure of a whole area before you ever get there mm-hmm. i know where a lot of the rock in a creek is going to be sitting at work playing on my phone and if you go to a lot of these places like you follow for example and there's no lot of I mean, there's no bluffs down there. Um, things that look like bluffs are not bluffs. I mean, it, it's just <laughs> you don't have you follow as much more Florida fishing than, than here, even though it looks the same when you drive over it. It looks it looks like home. It looks like East Tennessee Lake. And then you get down there and every nothing's sloped like this. It's sloped like this. Right. It's 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 terrible. It's it's not L- like Lowland Reservoir. Yeah, it's it's a one hundred percent. It's a lowland reservoir, mm-hmm. probably something similar to Santee if we're comparing. And you're- uh, no, no, Santee isn't a bowl. It's not a lowland reservoir. Santee's its own little animal. That, <laughs> it's a mixture right. of both. It's a mixture I, I, of both. I've heard people say it's it's Texas on the upper end of that one lake, and and, and you get down, <laughs> down to there. It's got some magic current in places. And, and, it is. It, I've heard some people say it's, yeah. it's multiple lakes in one, but you know, it you is. get a low, uh, a lowland reservoir like that, and you see contour lines close together. Well, there's probably still not going to be rock there, but there's a chance for fish to move up and down a lot quicker. Yeah, that's right. So we're all right. So we what we covered. Do you need a break, or we are you are you like ready to be done? I'm about to have to get off here in a minute to be to be okay. So, all right, good. That's why I asked because shit, I could talk like we're talking right now till tomorrow morning. So, I, I, all right, I could too. I, I could too. I, uh, I all got, right. So let's. Okay. All right, we're gonna finish it up. You, do you have Do you have ten more minutes for me? Yeah, that's fine. Ten more minutes. Okay. All right. So, so we've talked about the colors. We talked about lure selection. We talked about the map study at this point. How. So are you, and you're not running a lot of graphs. Are you fishing primarily shallow? And I consider shallow anything less than 10 foot. Are you, are, are you fishing deep or is there a mixture of both? Where are you spending most of that time? I'll, uh, less than 10 feet, definitely. Okay. I, I don't like so to fish. You're a shallow angler. Shallow, shallow as can be. Well, not shallow as can be because there's some of those guys in Florida and stuff. They're like, oh, right. yeah, we're fishing deep. We're fishing four foot today. We're fishing four foot <laughs> ditches. Well, that, that's as deep as they got there. Yeah, that's that's as deep as they got. So kudos to them. I, I couldn't fish that way all the time, I don't think. But um, I like to say if, I, if my rod tip doesn't touch the water, then I don't know how deep it is. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I prefer to fish, fish shallow. A lot of it's less than 10 feet. I'd say a majority of it is less than – I'd say 90% of it's less than 8 feet, honestly. Um, and so, I like, to, to me, I'd be curious to sound like what your, your mid-hot day summers and your winter fishing, if you're doing a lot of winter fishing, looks like. Because and, and not so much winter fishing, but you you take still tournament season for us is that that June to September time frame in the in the southern states. If you're fishing there, you know you're at least here locally for us. It when you, when that sun comes up, that that morning bite shuts off. And yeah, a lot, of, to go a lot find of the structure. We don't have grass here either. We don't have grass, and we don't have we don't have. Uh, the, the the lakes here 
are not power generating lakes. So there's no current, no current, no grass, a hundred percent structure. Yeah. A lot of it's capitalizing on top water, knowing where your best bet to catch a few fish first thing in the morning are going to be get them early. You get, get them, get them early. That's going to be your best chance to catch, mm-hmm. move, uh, to catch, um, active fish is definitely going to be first thing in the morning. Um, going places like way up in creeks, um, little random areas of grass, um, flats that have springs on them are always favorites of mine. Um, and just trying to get places where there's a lot of shade. I love, I love fishing shade pattern. I mean, that's a whole pattern to me. It's just nothing, nothing but running shade. Um, finding springs and finding cooling water, cooling cooler water. You know, a lot of the TVA system, you can go back in these creeks and, um, you get a lot of shade and stuff like that. You'll get springs, you know, get a lot of water coming out of the mountain and places like that. Just trying to find cooler water. Yeah. And see, and see in our area, we just don't, we don't have those springs like in the Raleigh area. Those lakes aren't spring fed. Um, yeah, we just don't have a lot of that. So. It's just interesting how how that summer pattern works out for y'all. All right, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up now. It's been an hour and thirty five minutes, which is good, which is good for me. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. I, I, this is a win for Bass Brews Fishing Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, all right. If I hadn't worked twelve hours today, I, I ain't even been home yet. I pulled the truck up and walked straight into the barn. So, <laughs> well, look, we really appreciate your time because I was excited to bring you on to talk about this type of fishing, because look at the success you've had. And I mean, in this, yeah, I mean, it's consistent, dude. You were consistently winning AOIs that everybody wants to win. But if you're winning AOIs, that means one, you're making money. (laughs) You're in the money. Let's not say making. You're in the money. The majority of the times, but I mean, that's the, Nobody plays the in the NFL to win a game. They play to win games to win the yeah. Super Bowl, right? Yeah. So you do that. You you are good enough in games to make it to the playoffs, and then you win all your playoff games and you win Super Bowls. That's how I you know, that's how I look at you. You're yeah. consistent. And when the and when the tournaments count, you make it count. So, you know, to hear, for folks hopefully to hear this podcast and to hear how you put that together is invaluable information. And we didn't, we talked about some specific baits and all that, but in general, it's not a specific bait. You know, it's, it's, it's learning what seasonal patterns, I mean, not nine times out of 10 when I'm sitting at work, I'm going to go, all right, well, I'm going to go here. I've never been to this lake before. If I go up here and there's no one else here in this area and I can kind of choose and pick what I want, I'm probably going to catch fish in this general area throwing one of two or three things. And nine times out of 10, that happens that way. Now, you know, you hope that the size is good and you kind of work your way from there, whether you got to go deeper or shallower or whether you're just in a bad area of the lake. But a lot of it is just, learning your seasonal patterns based on water temp and what everything should be before you even get there. All right. So real quick, we got to finish up right here. We got some rapid fire questions. Okay. Rapid fire because, because I'm, I'm four minutes from losing you. Crocs or flip flops? Uh, Crocs. I I don't wear a lot of sandals. 
Okay, I'm, I'm not going to chastise you for wrong answers. So pineapple or pizza, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Absolutely not. <laughs> yes. You spend more on a rod or a reel? Uh, reel for bait casters, rod for spinning. That's a cop-out, but we can't get into it because we wasted all our time earlier, but I'll accept that answer. When you go fishing, you want to catch five two-pounders or one seven-pounder? Five two-pounders. Whoa, man, we need to dive into that next time. Wacky rig or Texas rig? Texas rig. Slow jams or hype music? Hype music. Are you eating largemouth bass? I've eaten quite a few. My man, thank you. People, people, it's a good-ass eating fish. People just, they dumb. They stupid. It's delicious. My fair share of them. Where I grew up, we either ate brim Largemouth bass or turtles. That's all we caught where I grew up. <laughs> all right. This right here is the most important question I've asked you all night because this ends careers or it makes your career take off. All right. What are your top three sandwich proteins? Um... Turkey. Um, I like, uh, there's like, um, I'm, I'm just say turkey, ham. There's, there's like some, some pastrami. I like pastrami. Okay. Sweet. That, you know what? Those are good, safe oh. answers. <laughs> Shit. We done. <laughs> I think my lot's just turned. Oh, sh- Either he paid a power bill or he's got to stand we, we, up. We, we, we got to wrap this one up, dog. We got to wrap this one up. All right, buddy. Jordan, thank you, dude. I appreciate it. The lights went out. We're going to end this right now. Thank you. We'll holler at you. Y'all have a good night. Thanks for attending. We'll see you, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, bye.